Welcome to the Shift Daily Podcast. I'm Shane Hewitt. It's a daily bite-sized morsel of our four-hour middle-of-the-night program. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca. The Shift Daily Podcast starts right now. All right, it's time to uh, pass through the portal of the shift to Spaced Out Radio, and Dave Scott is on the other end. He usually starts promoing something as soon as we connect here. Let's hear what he's got to say. We're going to head over to Vancouver now. Oh, wow. Because we're going to join Shane and the shift. Because we do this all the time here on this show every Tuesday where we get to bring the weird and strange right across Canada (laughs) with Big Shane. I don't know if he's hearing us or not. I am hearing uh, you. Oh, are you? Yeah, yeah, Listen, I am. We're see, listening I'm to what you, I'm trying to give you a nice promo here. You know, I, I see that, and we have we actually have a bingo board here where we're like, "What's Dave going to promo this time?" Because uh, you're like the promo king, so we we always like to wait and see what your promo is going to be uh, oh, before dude, we start gotta, here. Because you got to let me in on that. We could split the profits. Oh, hey, shh, don't say that. They can hear us. Oh, I'm sorry. How you doing, man? I'm hey, good, first brother. Off, first off, com- congratulations unofficially being named the new host of the shift man i was really proud uh to hear that i consider you a, a good friend of radio here and uh from all of us uh at spaced out radio land to to you at the shift congratulations on your new position man oh thank you very much i appreciate that very much dave um i know that um it was a lot of work to get here and um, we're happy to be here and i at this time can also introduce you to somebody new to the show uh, matt MacArthur, our technical operator he is the uh he's my rock and always has been nice. since I started filling in on the shift. Um, Matt's going to, you know, be uh, the music man and the button pusher of the show, like he's always done impeccably for the last couple of years. Good. Ryan O'Donnell is the new show producer for our show. We're sending, uh, we're kicking Jason back to daytime. He apparently wants to have a life. Um, but Jason already right. has another job that we stole him from. And so he's going to go back to that one. And Ryan O'Donnell is the show producer. And he's here as well, Dave, too. Excellent. Well, it's a great team, and I got to tell you, I this is one of my favorite times of the week when we get to hook up with you guys and introduce some weird, real weird and strange stuff uh, to your audience. And you know, uh, we've gained a lot of of uh, new listeners on our podcast. I never tell them to listen to the live show because you know you're on the air, and we can't steal your audience that way. But you know, when but I, I could tell in the podcast and on on social media. You know, and I and you know, I think this is a lot of fun on both sides, and looking forward to continuing this uh, through 2020 and right into 2021, and wherever it goes, my friend. Absolutely, absolutely, it's one of our favorite times too because we get to look into the pieces of uh, the puzzle that we don't always get to take time for, and it's the 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 fun and playful for some, and those exact same topics are very serious and very real for others. So the cool part is, it's one topic that gets viewed many different ways. And we appreciate it. So Dave Scott, spacedoutradio.com. Where are we going to go this week? We're going Bigfoot, man. And I had a guest on last week, a gentleman out of uh, the beautiful state of Missouri called uh, named Carter Bouchard. He's a Bigfoot researcher, part of a group called the Bigfoot Research Organization. And there is also a BFRO Canada group up here that goes right across Canada where all of these people try to, to um, you know, bring a scientific look, so-called, to the Sasquatch research. Now, 
for a lot of people out there, you don't realize that there are sightings right across Canada of this big, hairy, wild man-type creature that stands anywhere from 7 to 10 feet tall, up to three, four, five hundred pounds or more in weight. And they are very, very mystical. They are very, very um, influential in the Indigenous and First Nations communities around Canada. And this is something where, you know, there's a couple of things that really, really fired me up in talking to Carter Bouchard uh, this past week. And I figured, you know, we could bring a little bit of, of Bigfoot politics into the night for you, Shane, because it's not something that we talk about a lot. You know, we try and get some weird and strange in, but this one kind of irked me a little bit. And I, I got to tell you, I wanted to talk with you about it because I think you could, you, you, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong, okay. but Bigfoot politics. Okay. Um, I, there's one thing. There's t- I have a couple of questions, which is kind of cool. First sure. thing, I have learned something I've learned I did want to share with you because you said in Missouri, um, we do a segment on our, our channel here in St. Louis on KMOX there. And I have learned, yes. just to be clear, that if you're talking about St. Louis, Missouri, that would be accurate. But if you're speaking about the rural areas, areas of Missouri, Missouri. it's Missouri. And yes. if you're inside the city, it's Missouri. If you're outside the city, it's Missouri. So I think that we, you know, in the in the in the integrity of trying to be accurate, I just wanted to share that with everybody because it was new to me. You're talking about the the beefro. Now that sounds like a boy band that Jason would listen right? to in his Veloster. But um, what is beefro, and how, what does it have to do with Bigfoot? Well, BFRO, BFRO, I like that better. It's called the Bigfoot uh, Research Organization. This was founded in the United States. There is a group here in Canada that that actually uh, breaks down Sasquatch research. And, and their, their mantra is to talk about bringing the scientific reality of Bigfoot to the public, proving that this creature actually exists. And here's what I found out, though. And if, if you're into Bigfoot, I'm going to suggest something that's a little controversial here. Okay. Don't file your report to them. And here's why. Number one, we don't know what this creature is. We, you know, for those who have experienced it, and I've seen two. I've seen two within 100 feet of me. And they are massive, man. They are big, and, and you feel real small and intimidating around them. But they keep they recognize this creature as the North American ape. Now, if you recognize something as a, as a a full-fledged ape or forest creature, that means that you know what it is. That means you have already looked into this creature and said, we have, we have concluded scientifically that North America has an ape. And first off, that's terrible research. Terrible research. And let me tell you why. Number one, we don't even know if this creature exists. Number two, for those who do believe it exists, and I fall into that category, we don't know what kind of creature it is. First Nations right across Canada, many of them believe that it is either a shapeshifter, a wild man, potentially a medicine man that has gone rogue, or something a little bit more supernatural, not an ape. Well, let me ask not a question about that. 
So we've sure. had shared, uh, we've shared many stories about Skinwalker Ranch here. Absolutely. On this segment. And the descriptions of the Skinwalker, the Navajo culture, was the medicine man, uh, sort of the rebel that withdrew from the, uh, from the group. Um, exactly the same kind of thing that you're talking about. So is it possible that, you know, the, the Bigfoot, the Sasquatch, the Yeti is the same storyline as the Skinwalker? It could very much be. I, I don't, I think they are two, two separate creatures. All right. I really do. Uh, the Skinwalker being a lot more nefarious than Sasquatch. There are many who believe that Sasquatch is part of the fairy realm, taking almost being the caretaker of all the creatures in the forest. There are many who believe that it is a flesh and blood creature. But when you stereotype something or any type of research, and the one thing that I have a real problem with in the paranormal is there are too many researchers out there who are conducting opinion and hiding it as scientific fact. And that is dangerous for anything that we do in this field. Reason being is science is about proving or disproving theory if you break it down to its lowest common denominator. And when you have people out there saying, we are searching for a flesh and blood ape, even though the footprints may give you that opinion, until it is actually discovered, we do not know what it is. And we shouldn't estimate or guesstimate what this creature is, especially if there are weird scenarios happening. Here's another strange one with this BFRO and BFRO Canada. Let's say, for instance, there are a number of people out there, we've had them on our show, who, who claim to have had Sasquatch encounters, but all of a sudden something paranormal happens, or all of a sudden a UFO shows up, or something strange along those lines. What we have also learned, is, and I'm waiting for confirmation on this, is that allegedly... The BFRO throws away people's reports if it has anything to do with something supernatural because they think it hurts the credibility of the organization. So let's say, Shane, you see a Bigfoot, and right afterwards you have a UFO experience where a black triangle flies over your car. A mm -hmm. little weird, right? Weird. So you're going to go to – you're going to go wherever – you know, you're going to go online and you're going to say, okay, where do I, where can I try and get some information on this? Who can I talk to about this? And all of a sudden BFRO pops up. And the next thing you know, your report is nowhere. You never, you don't hear from any of their researchers again after you file your report. You're going to feel all alone. You're going to feel like, well, that was a waste of time, you know, and you're looking for answers and nobody's getting back to you because you saw a UFO along with the creature. And the, these groups, they don't believe that there is any significance between the two. But the one thing that we have learned in the paranormal is nothing is normal. Nothing is normal. So to try and conduct any type of opinion over research is not only playing with the public, but it's also playing with what this creature really is. And the truth of the matter is, we don't know anything. So... Hmm. For your audience, you see a Bigfoot, beware of who you send it to. 
there's a couple of things there that sort of hit me and there's a text that's come in with a question. Now, I don't want to diminish your story, but I think it I think it gives credit to the story. I mean, we all I think were introduced regular consumer people to Bigfoot with the movie Harry and the Hendersons. Yes. And you just said that it's possible that Bigfoot is sort of the keeper of the creatures, right? Protector of the creatures. There's some who believe that, yes. Yeah, and but I mean, so that would lead a little bit of that storyline because that storyline was that's why he needed to go home was because he had to take care of all the little birds and all the little bunnies. You know, they all came to Harry and he took care of everybody. I mean, so it is possible that woven through the Hollywood narrative around all of this, there is some sort of uh, at least belief system behind it. I think that's pretty kind of cool. Um, that, you know, maybe some of our notions about what is, uh, Harry and the Bigfoot are founded on some of the things that people that are in this world have discovered. So I think that's kind of cool to think that, that, that could connect the text that came in that does connect and ask, uh, some questions is that this is from Dan. It says, so then skinwalkers, uh, Wendigo Sasquatch could be different creatures, but is it possible? It's just the same lineage. No, I I mean, I shouldn't answer that so directly. The true answer is, Dan, we don't know. We do not know. However, in in the research though, in the people that I have talked to about this, uh, the the wild man is what the word sasquatch basically means. And from there, we also look at the the skinwalker/wendigo, which seems to be a rogue medicine man who's gone a little dark, if that's what you want to put it. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So if you look at both sides and you look at the way that uh, we, we take this entire phenomena, one would suggest that they are different creatures. But in the end... If any paranormal investigator or cryptid investigator or UFO investigator tries to tell you something is fact, they're usually not very factual themselves. So if BFRO is not going to help anybody out to your story of I'm driving along, I've got a black triangle that, you know, spooks me out in the middle of the night, where where are we supposed to go? What are we supposed to do? I mean, it would seem natural that you would be cautious to just toss that on Facebook. But at the same time, wouldn't you just want to get it out in the public and and let people consume it so they know? Well, the point is, when you're editing reports to suit your your theories, you're not giving the public what they really need. And that's something that I'm trying to get a hold of somebody with the BFRO to confirm this, because that is a very hasty way to try and garner any attention. And according to this this Carter Bouchard, who's a part of this BFRO, he basically stated that he's had some 90 reports that have been kicked or edited because of what they call the woo factor. The woo being anything that is out of the ordinary, supernatural, paranormal. And if they are taking that stance and not allowing those stories, how much information are we really missing on this creature? Because eyewitness testimony is really all we have. There's bad videos, there's bad hoaxes, there's bad CGI. Eyewitness testimony is still the best 
evidence that we have going out here. And to throw some of those reports in the garbage because they don't suit your prophecy of your group, I think that's dangerous, and I think it's irresponsible for the research of this mythical creature. It's an interesting notion, as always. It makes us think uh, here on the shift. Dave Scott, thank you very much for sharing the time. Again, spacedoutradio.com is where you can see the article that Dave has written about this specific topic. In fact, in the BFRO, if you want to learn more about it, um, you can check out his show and his podcast and links from there as well. Uh, thank you, Dave. It's great to hear you, bud. Always, Always. appreciate you, and I'm sure we'll have some uh, UFO news next week when we hook up, my friend. Sounds great. Dave Scott, thank you, sir. This is the Shift Daily Podcast. Now, there's one other little piece of good news I wanted to throw your way. His name is Andrew C. Ferreira. The good news is it's time for us to let him out of his cage. Andrew Ferreira is weird. weird. So weird, he loves science more than sleep and other people. It's time for Andrew Ferreira's Weird Science. Andrew C. Ferreira, fresh off the kitchen and making some craft dinner um, for a snack. How are you doing, Andrew? Good. And, well, I mean, craft dinner, yes, but homemade mac and cheese is more correct. Oh, is that what it was? It was like homemade mac and cheese. I'm guilty of assuming that you were just, like, taking the box and mixing in the powder. Don't get me wrong. I have, like, a pallet of them. Don't worry. It's a there. Pallet. But, but sometimes <laughs> you, you have to, you, you got to treat yourself a little bit. You so for the high you, know, you slap together a, you slap together a bechamel, uh, and you use that for your base. Very nice. Welcome back to the, the program, Andrew. It's great to hear you. you. Glad you're here. Thanks for joining us today. Um, there is some weird science news making the rounds this week, including moon rocks and more. Before we get to it uh, and your explanation of what the heck is going on, here is a story about it. The official China news agency says the Chang'e 5 probe has successfully landed on the moon in the pre-selected landing area. The one-sentence report gave no more details, though. Plans call for the robot lander to drill into the lunar surface and load over four pounds of rocks and debris into an orbiting vehicle and return them to Earth for analysis. The probe, launched November 24 from a tropical island in the south of China, adds to a string of increasingly bold missions by the Chinese space program that aims eventually to land a human on the moon. I'm Charles de Ledesma. I would like to add that I cannot get cell service in my kitchen, but China can load four pounds of moon rocks from one robot to a second robot and bring them home again. Andrew, what's going on? Uh, yeah, so in, in typical uh, Chinese space agency fashion, uh, nobody knew anything about anything until they'd confirmed that whatever they said would be good. Um, <laughs> they don't like publicizing their failures, we'll put it that yeah. way. They put it that way. They also call it the designated area, so they don't have to say, it wasn't the right area, or it wasn't even the right moon or planet, but it landed on the designated area. It landed on the moon is generally a good start. Uh, but yeah, so Chinese, uh, it's Chang'e 5. So this is the, the fifth in a, in a, as, as Ledesma pointed out, my buddy, I don't know, I don't know, my buddy Ledesma, let's go with that. Uh, I don't actually know him. Um, as, as he pointed out there, uh, China's been posturing hardcore um, with regards to pulling off more and more uh, elaborate, um, intricate, and quite frankly, completely badass 
um, space missions. So this is Chang'e 5. Um, so as you, as you pointed out, it's got like an orbiter which is sticking around in moon orbit doing its moon orbit thing. Uh, and a return capsule uh, that's just going to stay there. It's also landed successfully, and from the lander, uh, a little rover is going to scoot out and grab some rocks. Um, and so what it's going to try and do, it's going to try and return about four pounds of lunar material, regolith, if you want the fancy term. Uh, the thing about lunar regolith is that it's less like sand or, um, like, pebbles, and more like what you would find um, in almost, like, an insulation-type material, mm. where the fibers aren't, like, little rocks, they're shards. Uh, oh, and... I've heard, help me understand this, is, are these, mm-hmm. like, the really sharp things? Yes. That, um, they're quite sharp? Yeah, regolith at you know the the at, at you know when you're looking at little pieces of it is is actually quite sharp, almost like um like an insulation fabric up close, or uh, like glass if it's been shattered really finely. It's kind of like that. Uh, so you you a don't want to breathe it in, and b if you're breathing on the moon, uh, you've got bigger problems. Um, <laughs> but it's going to collect about four pounds of this stuff. Uh, and a quarter of that, and this is what I think is really cool um, and really interesting uh, with regards to Chang'e 5, is that one quarter of that four pounds, so about a pound, I can do that much math, thank God, uh, will be from samples that are going to be drilled up from under the lunar surface, uh, about six and a half, seven feet down. Uh, so what's really neat about that is that's uh, lunar material that, for at least some time, hasn't been disturbed uh, by by space radiation, by solar radiation, by cosmic rays, uh, by other robots doing robot things on the surface. So in a way, it should be somewhat of a sample of the moon some period of time in the past, if you will, because it just hasn't changed since it was deposited there. Um, one thing that you may remember is that Chinese lander uh, that grew a plant inside of it. Uh, there's also another Chinese moon lander. Uh, that's been operating now for uh, dozens of lunar months, uh, which is about the same as an Earth month. As it's about, it's about sorry, two lunar, uh, sorry, lunar days are about uh, fourteen Earth days. Hmm. That's just how slow stuff tends to do it. Uh, and so, what that means is that this mission is only going to last about fourteen days. What it doesn't have are heating units. Uh, because when it gets cold on the moon, there's no atmosphere. So when it gets cold, it's not like uh, Vancouver cold, which is minus three, or you know Winnipeg cold, which is minus fifty-three. Uh, it's like minus two hundred, which you know it's a little bit nippy. That one guy, and we all know a guy like this. Don't tell me that you don't. That one guy you know who wears shorts no matter what time of year it is. You see him out on the back porch in a snowstorm, uh, grilling burgers in shorts. He'll probably put on pants at that temperature. Yep. That's um, me. Uh, so this mission has 14 days uh, to gather its samples and literally shoot them back into space um, before you know it, the mission will come to an end because there's no way it'll survive, or they don't believe it'll survive, uh, the lunar nighttime cycle, which is another 14 days of bitter cold and awful darkness, um, which, you know, Always fun. That should be the title of my uh, of my autobiography. Bitter, Bitter cold, and cold awful darkness. And awful darkness by Andrew on the C. Moon. Ferreira. On the moon. So With in Kitty. about two days, uh, in about two days and forty eight hours or so, uh, the rover will be done scooping up its rock payload, 
Uh, the lander itself will be done at sampling as well, and then it'll rocket it up uh, to rendezvous with that aforementioned lunar orbiter. And that orbiter is going to head back to Earth. Um, and the plan is to retrieve the capsule, which should land uh, in Inner Mongolia, uh, which is, as you know, you might think, is on the border between China and Mongolia, uh, on December the 17th. So it's about two weeks from now. So I think that's that would really be the designated landing area. The other one ish. <laughs> yeah. They're not going to, you know, they're, they're not going to tell us until they have it, how it, yeah, how it is. If, if it went bad, they wouldn't say anything. And that's just how the Chinese space agency is operates. Um, this is also, uh, if successful, will be the first time in 44 years, uh, that anyone has returned lunar samples to earth. Uh, the last, uh, organization to do it were the Soviets with their Soviet, uh, un, uh, lunar 24 mission. So, we need some fresh rocks. We're running out. Is it weird that we really don't find about this stuff until later? You'd think that there would be like news or an app that would go, there's a spaceship that just took off and it would, somebody would tell you that and you would be able to track no. it and watch it. Like, is that weird? For, for every other space agency, it would be weird, but for China, no, they operate under a strict secrecy policy. Um, when they, we don't know when they conduct tests. We only see evidence of tests. They don't like to officially announce things. Um, you know, if something goes wrong, they're very mum about it. Um, mm -hmm. even with the, uh, with the, with the, with the lunar payload that they're bringing back, they haven't confirmed how much, if any of the samples will be shared with the international community. Mm -hmm. So they like to, you know, keep a tight lid on everything. And then once they've, you know, they've, you know, counted up the cards, then they'll, they'll, dis they'll, they'll show everything. But until then, we're just going to kind of have to wait. So, uh, in other news... There was, uh, in Puerto Rico, there's that most amazing, I don't even know what it's called, satellite dish that's sort of carved into the fits perfectly, um, you know, in, in, in the, in the mountain, this is why I'm not a scientist thing. It's fine. Um, it's fancy and it fell down. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I came on the show a couple of weeks ago to eulogize a little bit because this, they had, a. Uh, uh, they planned the decommissioning of the telescope after a couple of the cables uh, that hold it up. Because what essentially happens is, you're right, it, this, the telescope dish itself uh, is kind of fits snugly into a bit of a natural uh, sinkhole in Puerto Rico. But above it is the receiver for that, uh, for that giant, essentially, satellite dish. Uh, they suspend the receiver overhead with a series of cables. Um, in August, and then again last month... Uh, First, uh, an auxiliary cable, and then a main cable snapped. Uh, and the National Science Foundation and the conglomeration of universities that helps run the telescope said, you know what, this is just, it's not safe to have this be functional. Uh, losing an auxiliary cable, they could have lived with, but it was the failure of the main cable um, that really kind of set this thing in motion towards its doom. Um, if you think about a suspension bridge, uh, if... You know, one of the main cables on that snaps. Suddenly, there's a lot more stress and tension on the other cables that they're not designed to carry. And so it's generally a matter of time before the whole thing comes tumbling down. And uh, overnight, actually, last night, uh, that aforementioned receiver for the satellite dish, actually, all the cables just straight up smashed and it crashed into the dish. Um, and it's kind of an ignominious end to the telescope. Um, a lot of the, the pictures, if you've seen the pictures, they sent up a drone and a helicopter crew to take pictures of, of the aftermath. Uh, the, the giant uh, receiving, or uh, re the instrument platform is what they call it, 
uh, fell to the floor, and it's about a 450-foot drop. And that platform weighs 900 tons. So uh, it's massive. Um, the, do the dish was already doomed. Uh, they were already going to decommission it, but they were going to do it, you know, in a nice, respectful kind of way. Uh, but now it's just kind of, you know, taken its own leave and decided that it's had enough of 2020. Um, and the instrument cluster kind of just fell through last night, and that's all there, really, that's it. You know, people were already eulogizing um, the observatory telescope, uh, the Arecibo Observatory, if you're unfamiliar with it. Uh, so you know, it, it wasn't in use anymore? Oh no! It was totally in use. Um, okay. It was in use up until that main, uh, up until that auxiliary cable failed hmm. uh, in August, uh, and they were in the process of. They had an engineering team already on site, actually, uh, to assess the damage and see what could be done to fix it when the main cable snapped. Um, and at that point, they decided, well, fixing this would be too dangerous because it could collapse at any time. And here we go. And here we go. And it's not new. Um, it was almost 60 years old, wasn't it? Yeah, Something like 57. That. Yeah, yeah so that's remarkable. So we know this from a movie, Andrew. Most yeah, people will Eye. recognize it from, from GoldenEye. And it's this dish with these uh, sort of, it looks kind of like it'd be a hell of a great concert place, frankly. Like an amphitheater, yeah. Yeah, like a great amphitheater like that. And uh, let's get that clip, Matt. Do you have the clip, the GoldenEye clip? Let's get it. For England, James? Fell no. for, me. Ah! Fell for uh, a great height there. Yep. Gravity. That's a 450-foot drop. Gravity always wins, you know. Always. It, it really does. Unless you're the universe, in which case the debate's still up whether or not gravity will eventually win or we'll all just be kind of torn to atomic pieces at the end of time. But who knows? Who knows? And we'll be dead before me, that point anyway. Well, there you go. There's the reason right there. People always ask, why do you keep Andrew in a cage? The last 15 seconds of Andrew. That's why we look, keep him in a cage. Look, I like, I like to impart the knowledge that all things are impermanent and that we should be happy to be able to see and observe and take in what we can. Even if it means that, you know, one day we're all going to be returned to nothing but dust floating aimlessly in the void. <laughs> Amen, brother. Hey, so enjoy, glad to have you have your Enjoy that natty back. light while you've got it, folks. Like, you know, sit back and crack open one on the couch and relax because this is all we've got for all we know. Well, you know, to your point, though, we often do forget how tiny we are and how many billions of little cell things had to grow and happen and the wind had to blow in the right direction uh, for this to be here. So, you know, you are yeah. kind of right with that. Us being here is the lottery win of lottery wins. It really so is, right? It. Yeah. And you know what the funny thing is, human beings, you know what we complain about in that? Of all the lottery win of lottery wins, we didn't get the extra. Damn it. And, we, and you know what? I feel that. I'm sad I didn't get the extra. But and, hey. That's good. That's <laughs> so good. Andrew C. Ferreira, Weird Science. Uh, there it is. Back to your homemade mac and cheese. Thank you very much, sir. Yeah. All right, back to your cage. This is the Shift Daily Podcast. We need to dig into this little piece of the program we like to call Are You Okay? Matt, is the moon dial good? It's ready. All right, are you okay? Are you okay with metal preachers? 
my favorite metal preacher is uh, Rob Halford of Judas Priest. You know, he preaches the metal, yes. all, you know, a hundred percent of the time, twenty four seven, and uh, he's my uh, he's my go to guy. He would be Father Halford, I guess, with the Judas Priest, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Remember Kenneth Copeland? Uh, he was the evangelist who laughed hysterically when Joe Biden was declared the winner, like it was the creepy, weird. Uh, like absurd, scary, satanic laugh. Well, much like the internet does, someone took that, remixed it, threw in a little bit of guitar, just just a touch, and it comes out like this. Judgment right now. Because we in have... In the name of Jesus! Oh. Okay, so aside from the fact that that actually sounds like a releasable album. Oh, my God. Okay, so this is what the laughing part, this is what he normally sounds like for some context, um, you know, when he was talking about the, the presidential election, sans metal. The media said what? <laughs> the media said Joe Biden's president. ha, 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 <laughs> it keeps going. It keeps going. It just keeps going. Yeah. Like for an uncomfortable amount of time. Yeah. Well, anyway, so um needless to say, that part kind of backfired it seems. And uh I would like to invite the internet to continue to remix Kenneth Copeland. The end times are truly here, folks. They truly here. I can't it doesn't escape the irony of the preacher um and the Satan and all of the times when we were younger with the don't play the records backwards and metal will rot your brain and bring the devil into your soul um, conversations that used to happen that those two blend so well together. I just can't help but just appreciate the irony of all of it. It's a thing of beauty. Ha, ha, ha. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be my new ringtone. Oh, that would be great. That's a great idea. Okay. Are you okay? Are you okay? I'm curious where this is going to go because I have a sneaking suspicion I know where this is going to go. Are you okay with $400 hair blow dryers? Uh, nah, that, uh, that sucks more than it blows in my opinion. <laughs> that was very good. Uh, um, no, it's if- crazy. It's stupid. It's too much money. If if this is the blow dryer um, that I think it is, um, then I would like to admit right now on the shift that I have been trying to get one of those for like the longest time, but I never have enough money. Um, I am okay with paying four hundred dollars for a blow dryer because I've been trying to do it. So I mean, I'm okay. You got to keep that flow in check. You got you got to man. You got okay. to. Okay. Okay. Well, Dyson has unveiled its first quieter blow dryer. The price of quiet, 400 bucks. This is a report from CNBC. 
Trying out a quieter life, vacuum brand Dyson debuting its first quiet hair dryer. Known for its bagless vacuum cleaners, the UK-based company sweeps into the hair and personal care market using its technical expertise. The $400 Dyson Supersonic is expected to be significantly quieter than the traditional hair dryer while protecting hair from extreme heat damage. The bottom line, dry your hair in peace. $400 for quieter, Jason? Okay, no, okay, um, let me confirm this, okay. So, the Dyson, is it's not just about the fact that it's a quiet blow dryer. It's a super sleek, like, small blow dryer that's super easy to use when you're trying to fix your hair. Um, so, like, I, I always use a blow dryer when I fix my hair to, like, get into the shape that it needs to be. Um, so, for someone like me who fixes his hair, well, not right now because it's like COVID, I'm growing out my hair, but before... Um, <laughs> When I'd use a blow dryer, um, I always, oh man, this, this blow dryer is always too big. So um, I wanted to get a smaller one. And the Dyson came up. And I'm like, when I saw the price, even then, I'm like, you know, this is a quality blow dryer. I have to have it. So one day when I'm rich and I make enough money, <laughs> I will buy a Dyson blow dryer. You can count on that. Hey, remember when you and I first met and I said, hey, man, whatever you want to accomplish, I'm here to help you get there? Yeah. I'd like to take that back at this point because if this is what you're out to accomplish, man, you're on your own. <laughs> yeah, um, my savings account is going to a Dyson uh, blow dryer. Wow, hey, huh? Twenty bucks, fifteen bucks? Heck, buy it off Kijiji. I don't care if it dries your hair and doesn't like catch on fire. <laughs> I think you're pretty good. I think is there really such a difference between them? I remember watching Who's the Boss. And uh, it was the story of uh, of uh, Tony and Angela where Tony's found out that Sam was using a diffuser on her hairdryer. And um, and he didn't know what's a diffuser. And the whole episode was around that Sam was using a diffuser and Tony didn't know what a diffuser was. So that being an attachment to the blow dryer. So there you go, Jason. Maybe you should just try a diffuser first. Allah, who's the boss? Mm. Or I can I just know. grow this uh, grow this hair out, um, have a have some long hair, maybe put into a man bun. Uh, just kidding. No uh -oh. man. Thank God. Uh-oh. You're just stacking it. You're not making this any easier for yourself. Wow. That's amazing. I never make it easier uh, for myself, man. Never. Jason, I admire <laughs> Jason's ability to just share his heart on the radio. It's quite remarkable. Are you okay? There it is. Oh, there it is. <laughs> Good thing your mic was off because I could read your lips there, Maddie. <laughs> yeah, what did, what did you read? I read, oh, shucks, gosh darn it. Are you okay's button isn't working right now. That's what I heard. Okay, let's try it again. Are you okay? Are you okay with broadcasters not vetting their information? Uh, no. No, we are not okay with this. Yeah, I think that's it's a like journalism note. 101. Yes. Like, give it a quick Google, even, if you're not going to vet it. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's one, like, that is the fundamental thing of anything to do with the media. Even if anything to do with a microphone or a loudspeaker or a bullhorn or anything, any conversation, before you click the damn share button on Facebook, just check the date. Ralph Furley died a long time ago. He didn't just die again. Just saying. Yeah, we're not in okay. the conspiracy business. We're in the presenting right. information business. I think we should just play the clip then explain it afterwards. Um, mm -hmm. Let's do that. We, in this hour, I am not told what to say. 
I don't vet the information on this program that I give out. We have always been independent, follow our own path on this show. That's not going to change for me ever. That's journalism. Hey. Oh, Hannity. That is Donald Trump's best friend, Sean Hannity, um, <laughs> clearly saying that he does not vet his information. So, um, yeah, so he. <laughs> oh, man. When Sometimes I went to say too many the words. literal. Right. The, when I went to say the first thing I learned was, you know, integrity. Right. And that just goes against everything I was taught in school. And it I'm I'm angry. <laughs> I'm mad at that. <laughs> and it's OK also to not get it wrong. Though. It's OK to get it wrong. It happens in the paper. It happens. And sometimes it, it's not quite right. And then I hate it when there's a retraction, like in the bottom right hand corner of the paper. It's like, by the way, when we told you that the sky was falling, turns out it wasn't. Um, that, you know, it has to be, I think you have to take proper accountability for it for sure, but everyone's going to make mistakes from time to time, but blatantly not even checking, um, allegations, irregularities, unusual voting patterns. What are some of the other things they talked about? Everything that came out of Trump's mouth that was just not true. Um, I don't know if that impacts, maybe his audience loves it. Sean Hannity or not, but anyway, that's from Fox news and Sean Hannity. Can we just play it one more time, Matt? Would that be okay? I feel like that is good to declare out there. We, in this hour, I am not told what to say. I don't vet the information on this program that I give out. We have always been independent, follow our own path on this show. That's not going to change for me ever. Yeah. Ever. You never know. Might be a couple of ever. meetings that say that just might change. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Tune into the show online or on the radio.